Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host, Nick Jenkins. Today I'm joined by three friends. First, Matthew Gatos. Hi. Sam Schultz. Hello. And Rachel Calderon-Navarro. Hello. How's everybody doing? Oh, good. Pretty good. good. We've yeah, had a week Friday. off. You don't usually ask us that. I know. <laughs> you know, it's a special day. Oh, how are you doing? I'm fine. Okay. Oh. <laughs> my back hurts, but oh, that's no. normal. Oh, okay. I do yoga to try to help my back not hurt, but it uh-huh. just makes my back hurt. So. I saw you talking about yoga on Twitter. <laughs> well, I would think after doing it for months, I would be better at it. Yeah. I'm not. Mm. It still hurts. Everything hurts to do in yoga, mm-hmm. no matter yeah. what I do. Do you go to classes or are you just doing it with the YouTube? I do it at home. I, uh, there's a great series on, I mean, I assume it's great. There's a good series on Amazon Prime that mm-hmm. is like a 30-day challenge that I've been doing. Kind you of should try a over. class. No, I don't want to do this in front of people. Well, uh, be in the back row. No, <laughs> I don't mean other help, people. I'm saying they might be able to course correct and, and be like, your back could be better if you did this and, differently. And the, the, you'll be there Welcome with all the, the body cast. smells, <laughs> and I don't want to do it anyway. I'm fine. That's valid. Perfectly yeah, I valid. I think that's valid. Too. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big do things in a crowd person. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather watch a video of a live performance <laughs> than actually be in the live for the live performance. Anyway, uh, today we are talking about. A movie that I personally selected because I really enjoyed this movie when I was young. How young? Um, well, it came out in 90, 91? Mm. 90, Not, I believe. 90? It's 90. Okay. Uh, so that would have made me 13. Okay. And That feels like it makes sense. That, that adds this up, feels yeah. like a 13-year-old boy movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I f- yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, so I enjoyed But anyway, we were talking about Roger Corman's, at, as of this point, his final direct, directing job um, called Frankenstein Unbound. And his first one after a fit, like a 20-year gap. Right? Yeah, he took like 20 years. Really? He retired for mm-hmm. 20 years and then came back and directed this. Now, we've talked about Roger Corman. Um, Wait, where does the Fantastic Four fall into this? He didn't direct that. He, uh, produced, he just produced it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, wasn't that Yeah, he that produced right? like... 650 he's produced a lot like, of movies gotcha yeah. Yeah. and he is an efficient producer that man <laughs> you give him a small budget he can figure out a way to make the movie happen hmm. and and go through to completion like it it's it, he will get it hmm. done um it'll probably be very under budget you know and and it'll look that way but his movies are never lacking for ideas and that's uh kind of cool except for carnosaur 2 which is just aliens, <laughs> as we've discussed on this podcast. To be fair, uh, that's an idea. It is an idea. <laughs> it's just someone else's idea. <laughs> it is James Cameron's idea, who started working, who started out in the business working for Roger Corman, oh, as okay. did Joe Dante, who directed Gremlins and huh. Burbs, um, and uh, a lot of other people started working, uh, got their legs under them by working with Roger Corman. So he was Corman. like the first version of the trauma dude. Oh, uh, yeah. Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think less there's a smaller number of people who have been successful working for Lloyd Kaufman than have for Roger Corman. I can think of one who's been successful. I can think of three. Oh wow! Yeah. Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and James Gunn. What? Trey Parker and Matt Stone worked for Lloyd Kaufman. Their uh, Cannibal the Musical was produced by Troma. Was it produced or distributed? Distributed, but it only distributed through Troma because no one else wanted to. Well, yeah. 
It's actually a cute movie. They worked with Lloyd Kaufman. Okay, they were. But then James Gunn, obviously, is probably the biggest name Mm -hmm. to come out of there. But anyway, so Roger Corman directs this. It is based on a book, which is not something we're totally used to here, although Carnosaur was also based on a book. Not Carnosaur 2, but Carnosaur 1 was based on a book. This is based on a book by Brian Aldiss, who's a fairly well-respected science fiction author. Have you read the book? I have not. Um, But I will also say going into this that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the book, is... One of, if not my favorite novel. Oh, okay. It is, it's a, it's a book that I really, really like a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and this ironically or coincidentally, no, ironically, I don't know. It's one of those. I'm not sure how to use the word ironically, so we'll probably tell best you after, to avoid it. We'll tell you after you say it. <laughs> I'm going to say ironically, this is probably the most accurate movie to that book that's ironically, I feel like. Yeah, because it's not a high-budget movie, and it's directed by Roger Corman. But it also yeah. takes place in 2032, which I'm guessing the <laughs> Right, which is also, that like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't happen. <laughs> I haven't uh, read the book, but I'm guessing 2032 is not mentioned. <laughs> no, it's not. But, but the way that the monster is definitely is, like, yeah. he can speak eloquently. He's uh, really ugly and gross, not, like, kind of cute gross like Frankenstein in the old movies. Um, I would say that the monster is all, in this movie is also not... Accurate. Can we rate the Frankenstein What's monsters the on level of cuteness? Then? What's that? I feel like What's we need that? to rate them on level of cuteness now. Uh, the old Frankenstein's really cute. He's the cutest? The Frankenstein from Monster Squad. Oh, more, he's, re- he's, he's great. He's more cute. He yeah. is great. So what's the accurate part of this? Uh, the accurate part is just the... So not how the monster looks, but everything surrounding that. Mm-hmm. Like the story of what happens with Frankenstein's little brother, I think. Yeah, right. it's his brother. Who gets killed, and then someone gets framed for it. The monster frames her oh. uh, for it. That's in the book. Okay. The um, and everything that leads up to the ending, mm-hmm. except for the guy from the future. Well, you know what? We're getting ahead <laughs> of ourselves. <laughs> we have not yet done the sixty-second no, plot dump, we but haven't. we're kind of doing it now. And Rachel hasn't done one in a oh, while, and so it's always me. I know. It's literally every time I'm on. It's because <laughs> I'm not. On. You're not on often, so you don't do it often. I okay. feel like you could do this one in like twenty seconds, maybe. Wait, wait, sh- <laughs> wait. Let me gather my thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to right. keep thinking about cute Frankenstein's. You keep thinking about cute Frankenstein's because I think this one is at the. Not the bottom, but at the bottom. Oh, yeah. De Niro's at the bottom. No, there's some <laughs> uglier Frankensteins. Ooh, yeah. Write in. Let us know. Okay. <laughs> All right. 60-second plot dump of Roger Corman's Frankenstein Unbound in 3, 2, 1. In the year 2031, the world is trying to find a certain kind of weapon that also doesn't collapse their own world, but instead... Uh, scientist man figures out a weapon that uh, ends up doing the thing that he (laughs) tried to not do in that it opens a time rift and somehow is unrelated to the rest of the movie because it doesn't really have any more uh, time rifts. It's just one and then he gets sucked into the time rift and then somehow he gets sucked into a time portal to a timeline where Frankenstein is real and so also is Mary Shelley at the same time. And 
You did yeah. really oh, bad. Oh God! You, you did terrible. I did terrible. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't looking at the. Let me try. Let me. That's like the first <laughs> ten minutes of the yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Let me try. Let me try. All right, Sam's gonna give it oh, a try. Oh man, I okay. wasn't looking at the time. That yeah. was my. He talks so much slower when you do those than you ever do. Otherwise, you do a lot of I guess and maybe so many side side tracks. Yeah, I think you're trying to figure the movie out. Yeah, while you're explaining your first mistake. Yeah, don't try to figure it out. I feel bad because I never do these. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know. Wait a minute, that's true. I don't know what the pressure <laughs> You've is. You've seen this movie way more than the rest of us. I've have. seen this movie many, many, many times. <laughs> oh, that's man. one too many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam. Three, two, one. Okay, a mad scientist gets sucked back in time to the time of Frankenstein, I guess, who's real. Uh, he Then kind of nothing happens in the middle of the movie. He meets Mary Shelley, has sex with Mary Shelley, doesn't introduce her to Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster in any capacity, but he decides somewhere in there that he needs to kill Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster to stop their reign of terror. So he tricks them into going into a, an old castle where he's going to help Frankenstein build a mate for the monster. He zaps it with his future car and they go into a, some kind of post-apocalyptic future where he and Frankenstein have like a fist fight. Then Frankenstein dies. Frankenstein's monster, excuse me, dies and turns <laughs> Well, no, into, Frankenstein dies too. They're all dead, both yeah. of them. Yeah. And maybe Frankenstein's monster turns into some kind of digital ghost or something, question mark? I think he becomes part of the supercomputer. He yeah, becomes yeah. unbound. And Franken and the mad scientist dude walks into the wasteland towards this big, gleaming future city. That was in the f- future previously. That wasn't the yeah. future he was from. Well, it no, was but the movie it opens. Was in 2031. With... No, I know that. The movie opens, there's like two weird openings to this film. It opens with him walking through that dusty desert. Like, oh, I forgot about that. And then it cuts to 2031. Right, because it's a dusty desert or was it the no, snow. frozen? Yeah, it's a snow. I so it, was it goes like, back in time. Mm, or he's salt. like. like <laughs> no, he's not back in time. He's even farther in the future than he was no, before. No, no. It is an unknown time. <laughs> like yeah. the narrator, like, it's like, this is where. Ugh, never mind. This movie is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So yeah, the narrator is wa- at the beginning of the movie. He's he walking is walking in, in, in the, the wasteland. He's yes. like, I got to yeah. kill Frankenstein. Yes. But he already did. No. No. no he's like. We and catch then up to it's the story. Like, this oh. is how it all began. Yes. That's when he's walking from the church a few feet over to the place Bef- where he goes to kill Frankenstein. When he Before sees he the finds the, the footprints and he's following them, yeah. basically when he starts ta- narrating again, right? That's when we're catching up to the beginning of the movie. Right. Yes. If okay. you haven't seen it, this conversation is very. Confusing. Yeah, so, yeah, you're welcome it's... because this movie's not available to stream no, really anywhere. Don't, don't you're welcome then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll talk about my experience with this movie okay. before we get going here. I uh, saw it when I was a kid and I had seen a lot of Frankenstein movies and I never really liked them. Uh, I just never really, I didn't like the Karloff one. I thought it was sad, too sad uh, for me. Like, I didn't, it just, I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, and then through the, the hammer stuff, uh, in England, they did a bunch of different Frankensteins and some of that was fun and entertaining. There's one in particular with Jane Seymour, uh, where the monster, where they make the monster and he's beautiful at first, but then his body starts rejecting all of the organs. That sounds cool. It's a cool idea. Like, and I think there's a lot that could be done with it. And then... I finally saw this one. I was like I said, I was probably thirteen, and I think it was showing on HBO or Showtime or something like that. And I recorded it, and then I just watched it and watched it and watched it, and I really enjoyed so much of it hmm. at the time. Had you read the book already at this point? No, I didn't read the book until I was in college. 
Um, and then I read that and Dracula kind of like back to back. And I really like both of those books. Mm-hmm. And they're similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, both fairly short, but I've always been drawn more toward Mary, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because I like the idea. I don't like the idea. I identify with the idea of like, this is what humanity will do if left unchecked. Mm-hmm. It will create horrible things. Like that is what we will do. And that's sort of the point is abandoning responsibility. And the character of Victor Frankenstein in the book is like completely useless. Like he he just uh, uh, boastfully makes this monster and then abandons it because he's scared of it. And then and just has all of these breakdowns and like he is just useless. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. The people and that's the point. The last speech that the monster gives in the book is very much like humanity will create its own demise and then and then cry about it. Basically, is what he says. He's yeah. like, you guys will burn the building down and then sit in the ash and wonder what happened. She knew what she was talking she about. She really did. Like, like Mary Shelley wrote a, a hell of a book. And so, for me, it's the ideas. And s- many of those ideas are present in this movie. And I think, so I identified with that at a young age. I also, I liked, I had a respect, even at a young age, for Roger Corman. I, mm. I like the fact that he produced low-budget movies. He didn't try to pretend they were anything that they weren't. But he tried to have big ideas in his movies, even if his budgets were really small. And one of my favorite movies of his is called X, The Man with the X-Ray Eyes, uh-huh. um, which is a Ray Milan uh, movie. Why is everybody looking at my dog? Because she's licking that chair. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Abby. Lay down. And she's cute. Yeah, Abby, she's cute. Too. lay down. You can't put a corgi in the room and not expect us to I know. That's I know. true. Uh, so it's a lot of big ideas, and 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 so and I enjoy that here. I also like the sci-fi mixed with it at the time. Uh-huh. I I generally like the mix of genres. Watching it this time, I did not enjoy that mix of genres. I think it's clunky and it doesn't make sense. It, I don't. I mean, I get the idea of taking the modern day Frankenstein. Right. And, you know, forcing him to live through th- this yeah. other thing to sort of see the error of his ways. But I, they don't really do anything with it. They though. don't really do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And so and I guess that's the big failing of the movie to me. This also is a way bigger budget than he was used to. It was released by 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it, it is eleven point five million dollars, um, which in 1990, that's you know pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell there are some budgetary problems. <laughs> Still, like, or not budgetary problems, you can tell that he still cut corners in similar ways. There's points at which you're like, oh, that looks like you used some of your budget on that. And then this part looks like you're like, oh, shit. We used all of our budget on that other thing. <laughs> Set up the laser room. Quick. Go. Go to Spencer's and buy a bunch of those plasma <laughs> those balls. Oh, there's so many plasma yeah, balls from Spencer's in yeah. this movie. Which at that time, everybody knew what those were. Like, there's some earlier movies. I feel the- like they're more sci-fi now. Because really? if you, like, have a teenager watch that movie now, they don't have one of those in their room. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a point, yeah. But, like, back then, everyone had one. They're yeah. like, yeah. I, this is, I just have one of these next to my TV that I'm watching this movie <laughs> you on. You can put lava lamps in a mad science place Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely didn't hold up as well as I had kind of hoped it would. But I still enjoy elements of it. For one, the cast. I think the cast yeah. is stellar. John Hurt, Bridget Fonda, Raul Julia, mm-hmm. all doing really good work. I want to see Raul Julia... Well, he's dead now, but be Frankenstein as in like a whole Frankenstein movie just I about agree. him. Yeah, I think he would be. He was not in it as much as I was hoping he would be. No, uh, but he was good when he was in mm-hmm. it. And uh, so, so yeah, definitely. He was so pompous mm-hmm. and mean. I mean, that's Frankenstein. Yeah. He's pompous and mean, although he is much more 
courageous in this movie yeah. <laughs> than he is in the book. Right. In the book, he is a coward. So, but yeah, that's my experience with it. Sam? I have no experience with it at all. <laughs> I had never even heard of it before you i think i just saw it on the list and signed up for it i don't know i don't know why like well that sounds interesting i do remember seeing the cover for it in blockbuster with the eye that's stitched together yeah or like looking at the back of it or something i've seen imagery the vhs from this case of this before. feels really familiar mm-hmm. to me but yeah, like, the eye is like is very familiar as well. I, mean, I have no experience with this movie. It just feels like something I walked past a thousand times. Totally, like in the horror section, you're too scared to actually rent it. You just look at it. That stupid eye, though, it's all stitched together. What a what a bad way to make an eyeball. Yeah, and then his eyeballs in the movie are like that too. Yeah. Did did Frankenstein stitch it together? You think? Or is it? I mean, I think that's what's implied. Yeah. Igor. I don't think there is. We don't get an Igor. We don't get an Igor in this movie. Which was a bummer. He's behind the scenes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he doesn't need the fame. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen. I think I've seen Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and Monster Squad. That's probably all the Frankenstein movies I've seen. And I read the book a long time ago. Um, so that's like my Frankenstein experience. Mm-hmm. What about Young and, Frankenstein? Oh, I've seen Young Frankenstein as well. If you haven't seen Young Frankenstein, go see Young Frankenstein. That is a very yeah. good Frankenstein it's, movie. It's really good. And I love the old two old Frankenstein movies, especially Bride of Frankenstein is like legitimately really creepy. Um, you know, I'll give you that. I will say, even though I still find the Karloff thing sad, mm-hmm. like that portrayal is very sad. The, the Bride of Frankenstein is a wonderful film. So it seems like maybe what you don't like about other Frankenstein adaptations is that they don't deal as much with, like, the hubris of man being destroyed by his own creation. I don't really know. Okay. I don't. I think all of them try to deal with that. Like, mm-hmm. the, the idea of, uh, you know, Victor Frankenstein is always treated as an overly cocky, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you do the mad scientist thing, yeah. and that's part of it, but... I think for me, there is a quietness to Mary Shelley's book mm-hmm. that is present in this movie mm-hmm. that is not present mm-hmm. in a lot of other movies. There's a, there's a, some of that quietness is stupid in this movie. <laughs> like it's, why are we, what, why is John Hurt just walking around talking to everybody and hanging out? Like, I feel like there should be a, that is the whole middle of the movie. That is the whole middle, the whole <laughs> second act. Is yeah. To be just, fair, if you were suddenly transported back to 1817, you might want to like just check things out a little bit. I guess so. I don't know, be but he, careful, though. Yeah. He yeah. is not, he is not <laughs> he careful. Care. No. He's the least careful time traveler in any movie. He has a talking future car, and then he tries to tell Mary Shelley it's a carriage, and then she gets into the car, and the car's like, I'm not actually a carriage. I'm a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he tells everybody, I'm from the future. Yeah. You know? Hey, like, Mary Shelley, here's your book. Want to read yeah. it? Yeah. Like, oh my god! I feel like any scientist would go, ah, butterfly effect. I better not. <laughs> yeah. Better not mess with things. I better not give blow a up a church and kill Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does seem really like that. So there's that, but I, I don't know. There's a, there's a tone to it. I think that I like, mm-hmm. um, and I identify with that. I identify with the book as well. Is there's there's a very quiet, um, contemplative tone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, I don't have any background with this movie, so that's it. <laughs> so I what love, was your... I love Frankenstein. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was my reaction to this movie? Yeah. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, actually. And then it occurred to me as the ending was playing out that at no point was he going to introduce Mary Shelley into the world of the monster or Frankenstein. And then the whole rest of the time I was just wondering like, what the point 
of any of the middle was. <laughs> it felt like they forgot to put a scene in or something. Like they accidentally edited out the scene where she sees Frankenstein and his monster and she's like, whoa, I should write a book about this. But she's two chapters in. She is? She said. Well, about Yeah, the- she's mm-hmm. like, I'm only two chapters in. How right. do you know about, about my that. book? Like I'm not published yet. Yeah. But it's like, that makes it sound like she knows what he's been doing but and she, just doesn't tell anybody. Right. It's weird, too, because she does know who Victor Frankenstein is. Right. But she doesn't know he has a monster. Well, what's she writing about then? But she was writing about that because then when the time-traveling doctor says... Not it, that time-traveling doctor. No, but... A different yeah. one. But A, he, w- he, also, yes. he was he does, also... Yeah. yeah. Just to make it more confusing, he yes. does play the other time-traveling doctor at one point. Yeah. Yes. Uh... But he tells her something like he's created something, and then she says, "Oh, he's actually succeeded." Oh, I which so maybe there's just like part. talk around town of Victor right? Frankenstein and what he's been doing. Well, the like when he first meets uh, Mary Shelley, it's in the trial where that guy is right. talking mm-hmm. about this giant monster man who has come in ate my sheep or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I think that it's kind of like hearsay type of thing. Like there are some people who have seen him walking around and those are the people who know and talk and about so him. so she's writing that story. And then there are the people okay. who are like, you're like, that's poppycock. Like you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. You're mm-hmm. uh, abducted alien man kind of thing. <laughs> Let's hang this teenager. Good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, because even Mary Shelley is like, there's no possible way she could have done this to this kid right like this is she had too strong like you'd have to be way stronger than her yeah to do what was done to the kid so yeah okay but so. i will say it wasn't boring it flew by it seemed a lot shorter than it actually was and there were lots of cool parts like where he's ripping people's arms off and punching their heads off and i like that stuff <laughs> oh yeah he rescues the the doctor yeah by punching and ripping yep. a lot of people's pieces off. <laughs> he just goes nuts <laughs> he there. He just punches yeah. a head off. Like, uppercuts yeah. a guy and his head just, like, flops. It's very cool. This is definitely the strongest Frankenstein I've seen. Frankenstein monster I've seen on screen. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, like, he stops a stagecoach. Yeah. He also yeah. catches up to it. He's very fast. Uh-huh. Yeah, or, like, he just, like, knocks somebody head, heads <laughs> off. Yeah. Like, he just goes, dunk. Yeah. But like the thunk is like <laughs> <A> crunch. <head>. <laughs> it's like a nearly headless Nick type situation where it just kind of yeah. flaps over. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I thought that was really strange. Is he that strong in the book? No, he's kind of like th- th- like two strong people. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he is strong because I feel like he is like ten strong. People. Oh no, he's like superhuman. Yeah. in this one in in. in... <laughs> In the book, it's funny because, like, he decides to just make a man and he's like, I want to make him tall. And so he makes, like, an eight-foot-tall man. Uh And the man just happens to be super strong and, like, he gets shot at one point and it doesn't – he's like – he has to go rest for a while. Like, that's Uh. (laughs) that's his thing. (laughs) Yeah. So um, if you want to – actually, I I did to refresh my memory on the book because I haven't read it in probably a few years. Um, There's a great podcast called Book Cheat. Uh, hosted by Dave Warnicke, where he reads a classic piece of literature and then talks to two other people, basically tells the story of the book to two other people, and oh, it is really good and that's fun. Because cool. there are a lot of books that I want to read, but I don't want to read. Like, uh-huh. I don't really want to... <laughs> I think you don't want to read those books. Well, then. no, like, I want to know the story. I also like... 
I you like, want to be able to talk about those stories. Well, I want to be able. To, I also just want to be able to experience a story. Uh-huh. Like I like being told a story, but I the the act of reading is like this is days long. Have you yeah. heard of audiobooks? Yeah, that's <laughs> they still, take too long. They still take too you long. Guys, no, there's a I, reason they're as long as they're supposed to I'm be. I'm in mixed boat. Some not, books are too long. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy that. I'm just saying I don't. Yeah, I like to uh, uh, movie length. I just don't want it to sound like it's a like it's equating like I get the same experience from someone telling me what Frankenstein's about as if I read Frankenstein. I don't believe that is the same experience. No, it's a better one. Yeah, I okay. agree. Because, because then I'm, I get to have a conversation. I get to ask questions. I get to I get I get to have this connection with a person who gets to tell me this story. I'm not saying it's the way to do it. I think you should read Frankenstein. I think it's a great book. Mm. I'm just saying that like if you it, the, Great Gatsby, like I want to know about it and I want to know what the plot is. I want to understand the references, but I don't want to read There's that. There's probably a lot of words in there that you don't don't need to know. I don't. I don't really I hate this conversation so much. <laughs> but I also, I'm not even that big of a reader. Yeah. But I hate this conversation. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, it's not my media. It's yeah. it's like not. It's not the media that speaks to me the way that it speaks to other people. And so I would rather like my ex wife read all of the um, Anne Rice's vampire, the Vampire Chronicles, mm-hmm. and it was just so much fun having her tell me about it. And then we could have these great conversations about it. And I could ask questions. It was wonderful. I had a good time. And then I tried to read one and I'm like, this is goddamn boring. <laughs> like, I, and so my, I think because I was probably raised more on movies and television. Yeah. That's just the pacing my brain likes. So I don't know. Anyway. I, I think that sounds like a valid thing. But check out Book Cheat. It's a wonderful podcast. So there. Okay. Anyway. Back to Frank. Rachel. <laughs> Um, so part, so for the, a certain part of the movie, I was like, oh, this is not bad. Like, I don't see why this is a bad movie. And then like, there's a certain part where I was like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) I think it just like became, there's like a very specific moment where it just started to unravel. And then by the end, I was just like, why is he there? What is happening? Why is any of this happening? <laughs> and then like hit, like the way he was like talking at the end, like talking to himself. And then when he walked out to that city, I was like, where is he? <laughs> like, I don't understand what is happening. And I think that part is what makes me really sad about this movie because there are some aspects of it that I thought was interesting, like the fact that this Frankenstein monster can actually talk and it kind of went through um, one of the aspects of Frankenstein that I like is the whole concept of who am I why do I exist uh, what does it mean to exist kind of thing and like there are really small moments of that in this movie but it like touched upon so many different themes that it kind of didn't know what it was trying to do. Yeah. And I think that was maybe the part that made it unravel hmm. for me. Okay. Interesting. Cause like, it was just like trying to be philosophical, but also he had a silver talking car <laughs> at the same time. So I think that there are like too many things going on. And then that laser room, like, I don't understand what, I think it was weird that, that like, did they, did he exemplify in the 
beginning of the movie that he can control the lasers with the clap. No, that was weird. (laughs) That was very weird. I think that's like a moment of he just is learning that. But the building knows his name. Yeah, the building knows his name. Oh, yeah, no. That part makes no sense. I don't know, like, they just randomly show up there. Like, that part in general is, like, the embodiment of the whole movie because it was like, wait, did he talk about that before this moment? Or, wait, did this like why is this here kind of thing yeah to me i think that and this is like usually when this podcast we give people too much credit i feel like this is the opposite of that is what i'm about to do i feel like that's roger corman trying to have his 2001 a space odyssey ending i think that's fair i think that this the laser room with the the sentient lasers that are following this thing and killing it and then showing up and it's unbound by a thing and there's this weird future you can't really explain Feels to me like the end of 2001. He was trying to blow your mind. Yeah. Okay. And it didn't. No. No, <laughs> no it, it absolutely didn't. I, the thing that's weird about uh, 2001 is I think a lot of people don't understand the they don't they they're looking for things that aren't there. Mm-hmm. Like it's very clearly stating what happens. It doesn't show you explicitly the aliens or anything like that, but it's very clear what is happening at the end of that film. It's not clear what's happening at the end of this film. It's not clear what that room is. It's not clear what the city is. It's not clear how it knows his name. Well, in 2001, it's crafted in a way where you can still enjoy it, even if you don't understand it. Mm -hmm. You You get the idea that something weird is happening. This leaves you with, like, plot hole questions where you're like, wait, but why did that say his name? Yeah. Also, was the weapon that he was trying to make in the beginning, he said, oh, it's great because we can just send it to a different uh, time universe or whatever. I think it's a different dimension. Different dimension. Because he's just imploding it. (laughs) So, did, but when he used the weapon on Frankenstein monster... He didn't implode. He just was like, Ehh. I don't think it's the same weapon. Oh, I thought it was because it, it was the same like the... squiggly laser. I think thing. it's supposed to be like really? a future version of the same That's weapon. I've seen thought. this yeah. 8,000 times and I did not put that together. <laughs> they maybe only just had one squiggly laser lamp. That's what I'm thinking did. happened. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah that, I, that could very well be that it's the same thing, but it wouldn't make any sense that it wouldn't just. Cause it, it, well, I think it's another thing of like Frankenstein's so strong. It couldn't implode him entirely, which is why instead of dying, he became. Unbound. Yeah, but it would have made more just, sense if they made him cease to exist, yes, and then he was yes. just right. woven into like the fabric of the universe. Yes, but he just was like, uh, uh, and Maybe then like fell soul. Soul. And then he up. said, you know, yeah. he has that line of like, "You don't understand." I'm like, no, no, you're Nobody right. Does. I, I don't. <laughs> no, Do I don't you understand Frankenstein. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did he say? He's like, what? you can't kill me. Can't I am unbound. Oh, yes. at the end, that's the yeah. last line of the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, he he's. And it's just his voiceover. So the the John Hurt doctor is looking at this city of the future that appears to be populated. Right. Yeah. And he just destroyed the mainframe of the whole city by fist fighting Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> because the city is the brain. Yeah. Or, or sorry, the, the you main. You guys got more out of that scene than I did. They what? describe it very quickly. Before. They do. They, oh. they do it very quickly. Say, so me and Rachel both are looking at you guys like, did you just make this up? Well, John Hurt comes down the ladder and Frankenstein's like, this is the computer room. And well, somehow he, he's learned. He says, this is the brain of the great city that lies beyond. Yeah. And, and when he Whoa. gets out, he looks at the city. And then you hear the monster's voice say, you can never kill me. I am forever. I am unbound or something like that. (laughs) And I'm like, did he get absorbed by the computer? Yeah, there's just so much. I feel like there's from point A to point (laughs) C, there is no B. No. And it's not like it was implied. It's like, no, there's no B. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is like, that is definitely the thing that makes this movie fall apart. I would agree with that. I think that because I think the opening sequence is very clear. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's very clear what's happening. When I, well, I know there's two opening sequences, but the, the stuff in New Los Angeles yeah. um, where he's testing the weapon and it's a weapon that accidentally creates this thing that he wasn't, you know. He was, I love that concept because like his whole thing is like the president wanted to create a weapon that wouldn't like kill millions of people. So he made a particle beam that just like evaporates the person or thing implodes mm-hmm. them yeah and Which, i think yeah. that whole concept to begin with was so strange to me because it's like he wants a weapon that doesn't hurt people or whatever but it's like why make a weapon at all uh, he doesn't want casualties but so, what would he what does he want to do with it he kill wants people to like person i guess yeah kill like the president of another country without Blowing bombing the whole missile. country yeah he wants a laser, basically. Yes, he yeah. wants a death ray. But what do you like about that? I like that it has this weird consequence. They yeah. don't do much with this. Uh-huh. I like that this guy was like, all right, the president wants this kind of weapon. I'll make him a weapon. And then he's like, yeah, there's side effects. You guys didn't tell me not to have side effects. <laughs> you guys just told me to make this kind of weapon. Yeah. It's your fault that the time slips are happening, <laughs> which they don't pay much attention to. No. But Seems like it should be a bigger deal. Yeah, than because just it the... sucks people up and shoots out hor- men on horseback. Like Genghis Khan or something. Genghis maybe. Khan comes out. Yep, and tries to kill you for a few seconds before he gets zapped back into the cloud. Like those seem like world-breaking things. Yeah, and people on the news are just like, the time slips continue this week. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, like, like uh... it's a completely normal thing. Having like, some heavy storms. Yeah, like I, I think, and I'm getting too ahead of myself, but I think that maybe this movie would benefit from having a little being a little bit more in 2031 so we can understand the plight of the the of earth people compared to why he he has to go into the future and like why I have there's similar, no connection. I have similar thoughts that we'll get to when we get to how we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, one of the main things we do learn is that apparently when you buy a new bike in the future, you bury your old bike. <laughs> well, I liked that a lot. I, like that I don't too. know why the hell it's happening. Where's weird I kids? No, I think that was weird kids because he was like, "What are you doing?" But, but it was just kids being weird and yeah. singing. But why songs. is it in this movie? Why is it one of the only details we see happen in this world? Well, that is part of the reason why I think it would benefit us to see a little bit more of new L.A. in 2031. So we understand this world and then we go into past world like there would be some sort of connection. (laughs) But there is no connection between like why if he went into the past like he could have gone to any past. Why did he go into a fictional past? It's not a fictional past. In, world, in this world, not. Frankenstein's real. Yeah, but in our world, I know. I'm but saying, this is like. But no, this is positing that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein that that book is based off of things she observed and not just a fantasy she came up with. Right. Which a lot of sci-fi did at that time and earlier be like. You know, you go back in time and all of a sudden, oh, Jules Verne was actually trying to get to the moon, you know, and mm-hmm. it wasn't just a story he wrote. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with – I, I, I do have some agreements with it we'll get to. Matt, I want to talk about your experience with this movie, though. Yo. So, first of all, Frankenstein. Positive, negative, just in general. <laughs> Positive overall. Okay. You love Frankenstein. I love you Frankenstein. Love Frank and Weenie. Love I love Frankenstein. All Frankens. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we didn't even ask Frank you. Frank and Barry. Yeah, you... I love Frank and Weenie. Frankenstein. Bride Frank of and... Bride. Of, I was gonna say Bride of Frankenstein, but <laughs> nobody could see me. I was. <laughs> never mind. Uh, anyway, Bride of Frankenstein. There was a finger involved. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, is so beautiful. Oh, it's like, gorgeous. That yeah. lab scene at the end is like amazing like one of the coolest filmmaking i've ever seen especially in black and white like that is yeah. one of the best black and white films yeah yeah oh, so good so frankenstein is thumbs up for me what about frankenberry frankenberry is i guess thumbs up okay. how's everyone feel about frankenhooker uh, what I, is that never, don't know what really that familiar is familiar with that okay no is that a <laughs> is that a movie Yes. Oh, um, okay. I was like, is that a different serial? I think it's a Frank Henenlotter movie. It's. Uh... <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of the serial. <laughs> yeah. Is it? I mean, I, I guess I can figure it out from that title. It's not yeah. a porn. Um, it's. It, I swear. Oh, okay. I no. thought it was. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> yeah, that's what I. Thought. No, it's Frank Henenlotter who did like Basket Case and. That's uh, another cover that I saw in movie th- in, in movie stores a lot when I was a kid. And then your mom rushed you past it. <laughs> uh, she wasn't really paying much attention to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Frankenstein good. That's my overall feeling. <laughs> Fire bad. Frankenstein Fire bad. Good. Frankenstein good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, again, had no experience with this movie, specifically because I had never heard of it. Maybe the least amount of experience I've ever had with a movie ever. It was, On didn't this podcast, exist to me or, yes. before you no, said the word. I think we we all had at least seen the cover. Yeah, I guess That is so. something beyond like... Like, I literally only thought of that just because he said that. And I was like, yeah, that cover... It does, does look, look familiar. familiar. I always thought that was the cover for the one where Frankenstein's played by uh, the really famous guy. De Niro? Yes. Yeah. But n- not... not no, Mar- that's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the movie directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, on that, it's... Hmm. You just you see his eyes, but he's got a cloak. Oh. Ooh. I am a though still okay. yeah yes but yeah that's one I liked what I liked I think my but the first impression of this movie was opening up the DVD case mm-hmm. and I, it's a weird design thing that I'm very happy when people do it and very mad when they choose not to do it uh-huh. is like when you have something like that on a DVD and you line up the circle of the disc <laughs> the iris. with, with the, the middle of the, of the pupil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, good job. Because <laughs> there are some that. movies you open up and they have a circle in the middle of the design and it's just off so to the side. You're like, yeah. Why? Why did you not do the thing? <laughs> and so I was very happy they did that. Uh-huh. So first impression's good. <laughs> the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, I was on board. Pretty I liked, standard bad movie yeah. stuff. Yeah, I was on board with the idea of like the 2031 thing i liked that version of the future mm-hmm. and it was like oh self-driving cars with siri built in essentially uh-huh. like that okay i mean yes. it was pretty accurate yeah that felt yeah. accurate because like we already have self-driving cars but yeah. i feel like in 20 years they'll definitely be at that level well yeah, and like they this... put it at a pretty reasonable amount of time in the future and yeah. it wasn't yeah. too like the siri or google assistant or whatever that was installed in his car type of thing was just beyond what we currently have as yeah. far as like uh, like assistance like that, where it's like it can respond a little bit better. The AI is yeah. better. But yeah, in 12 it years. It sounds like, like Siri, kind of. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it does. I'd say it's in between what we have now and Jarvis from Iron Man. Yeah, Jarvis is yeah. like the ultimate, like that's yes. just a human in a voice <laughs> yeah. box thing. Yeah. Whereas like this, 
and that's supposed to take place in 2008 and that technology exists uh-huh. whereas like this takes place 12 years from now which 12 years from now conceivably sure, we not? could have something not going to have an inkjet printer in your car though you don't out. know that yet. <laughs> they could I be guess, coming back. Yeah, maybe. Eight track oh my god, it's twelve years. I was thinking twenty years. No, it's only twelve <laughs> years away. <laughs> no. Yeah, he prints no, out I, all of Frankenstein at one point, and imagine how expensive a cartridge for your car's inkjet printer would be. But it was so fast. It was very fast. I yeah. was waiting to hear the like. It's like I'll be done printing in ninety six hours. Um, maybe they don't have inkjet printers. Maybe it's like I think it's like a, a laser, 3D just like boom, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I really liked the the idea of this future. I would also have liked to live in it more, like Rachel said. Like ch- mostly because I like movies from that era, exploring the future. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, especially when we're approaching, we're closer to the future than we are to the year this movie was made. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I liked him. I liked John Hurt. I liked Rod Julia a lot. I think they are great together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were very good together. I, I love that John Hurt just plays a guy who goes back in time and doesn't care <laughs> doesn't that he's back care. in time. Like, <laughs> not for a second is he concerned. He immediately dives in and adapts. And gets new clothes. He knows how to lie. Yeah. He gets new clothes. <laughs> he is very good at like just peeking out a newspaper and being like, "All right, eighteen seventeen. I know how to act. I yeah. got this." He he's wears still the dry- same shoes though. Does he? Oh, yeah, because he, yeah, like he gets called out on it. <laughs> and he's like, immediately everyone just believes everything he says pretty much. <laughs> well, you know. He has they a didn't watch. Have, they, uh, yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, well, you know, like <laughs> I think that if I was a person in 1817 yeah. and somebody was dressed a little weird and they said, oh, I'm from America, I'd be like, oh, sure. And that's what kind of happens at the beginning. Yeah. I think like, now if somebody showed up and they had some kind of future tech and they were like, this is from Europe. I'd be like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Or like China or, or something. Japan. Like, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. think you're from the future. Because I yeah. like they have like completely different phones than we do. Yeah. Well, it's also like we're in an age where I think it would take a lot to really separate someone. So right. it's hard to imagine as well of like like clothing is not as uniform as it yeah. was. I don't even know if it yeah. was, but movies make it seem like it was mm-hmm. back then. Uh, so you stand out immediately from the crowd, whereas now, like, we can all wear pretty different types of clothing, and no one really says anything about it. Mm-hmm. So it would need to be like you're walking around holding like a hologram or something for people to go like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> explain yourself, future man. So yeah, <laughs> explain yourself. <laughs> That's my planned reaction if I ever run into to, uh, a man with stop right there with a hologram. <laughs> explain stop yourself, that hologram man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I liked the beginning. I think the middle, like you guys have talked about already, doesn't do anything. Uh, so weird. He sleeps with Mary Shelley for some reason. And- I don't. Sorry, I don't remember. Him sleeping with Mary Oh, it's a whole Shelley. thing where she lays down and she's oh, like, right. they preach free love. They preach free I love. I practice it. And then she unbuttons her shirt. She unbuttons I, her yeah. shirt and under her shirt is another shirt. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Which is I, kind of funny if it had been played for a joke. Yeah. I really love that line, though. Oh, I hate it so much. No, I love it. I love the fact that she's like, yeah, Percy and Shelley, they preach free love. Those I are the same person. Percy, Shelley, Lord uh, Byron. Byron. Byron and, and Shelley. Shelley. Yeah. Right. Got it. Jinx. Whoops. <laughs> well, we can't talk the rest of this podcast. <laughs> no, I think I owe you a Coke. Yeah, oh, you owe yeah. a Coke. Um, but Byron and Shelley preach it. I actually live it. I was like, yeah, girl. My biggest yeah. thing was like, was the phrase free love in the ether before the 60s? I would 
bet maybe it was. I think so. I think, yeah, because with Libertines and and stuff, I think it was. Uh, Specifically, I'm okay with the concept of that, like the Libertine idea, but like the the phrase free love like mm. feels very 60s to they me there were a bunch of wild kids in the 1810s yeah. my my main thing is like i don't mind that mary shelley scene as much as i like mind the rest of the mary shelley oh, yeah. of this I, movie is like she's just not important mm-hmm. to the movie which is no. so strange like if you're going to involve time travel to go back and talk about frankenstein and involve mary shelley in the plot why is she like a side character in her own story right and kind of almost like a dude from the future is like, you should write this book. Yeah. It's going to be very good. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. yeah. It, and almost is like, yeah, yeah, you want to read it? <laughs> She's like, no. Like, no. no. <laughs> but she makes a, a very good decision. I'll have my own life. I like, I was, uh, yeah. I was fine. Like, she was actually fine. I just think the decision to even have her sleep with her in the first place, have her sleep weird. with her in the first was like. It's going to terminate It doesn't her. mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it well, is, it also like, it's so, it doesn't the mean movie anything. revolves so much around John Hurt's character. Yeah. That all of the cooler parts are like pushed to the side or not focused on enough. Where I'm like, oh no, I would much rather follow Mary Shelley learning more about Victor totally. in this, or learn more about Victor and see what he's doing. Because it always just seems like Victor's waiting for Joe Buchanan to show up. Who's like Joe he's Buchanan? just that's the doctor. Oh, that's his real name in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, John Hurt looks like a Joe Buchanan. I do remember the Buchanan part. Well, at one point, yeah. they say he they can tell from his accent that he's not from Britain, but he has a British he's accent. Very British. He's it is the most British person in that movie. Yeah, movie. yeah, it's very weird when they. There's we a couple times where they talk about John Hurt not being British, yeah. and I'm like, but he's the most British. <laughs> we need to talk about the accents in this oh, movie real God. quick because they were all over the map. <laughs> it's supposed to be. In Switzerland. Right. Oh, I forgot what? about that. Part. Yeah, they're like in Geneva. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and those judges were like totally American. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, to be fair, like Mary Shelley is not supposed to be like Swiss or anything like that. No, like, she's, she's visiting Switzerland. Yeah. But there are definitely should be some Swiss people in this film. Right. And, and not, not a number of American people with just regular, like, this court will come to order. That's yeah, it was the spirits is yeah. what yeah. one of the jurors. There's like everyone's either just British or just American, American. or Puerto or Rican. Raul Julia. Oh, yeah. Raul Julia <laughs> yeah. is Puerto Rican. Yeah. And I, it was weird to me because like, I don't care if some of them are Swiss or not, but you got to make a choice. That, like, okay, they're all British. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the typical. Plenty of movies do that. Yeah. They're like, hey, it's a foreign country. They're all British. Ancient, they're all ancient British. Roman times, they're all British. They're all yeah. British. Yeah. Like, We've accepted that it's reality such an easy in film. Decision to it's make, so yeah. weird to hear like and Middle Earth, all British. All <laughs> British. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me because uh John Hurt is clearly not American. Like beautifully not American. Like he has a wonderful accent and a great so, he was so good. Wonderful. Great voice. Love it. He's British. It's very British. And the other person in here who is definitely supposed to be British is Mary Shelley, Uh and she is flat out American. Uh And then Jason Patrick plays uh, Shelley. Yes. Percy Shelley. Is that the NXS guy? No, that's Michael Hutchins. (laughs) Oh, wait, who's that? Percy Shelley is the... In excess. Oh, okay. So yeah. then Byron is Jason Patrick. To be right. fair, we only get them like in scenes together. Yes. Yeah, and they both look exactly the same. And act exactly One the same. One has a red robe on. That's how I'm keeping them straight in my mind. So yeah. Michael Hutchins is, I think this might be the only thing he's ever done in terms of acting. Uh-huh. Um, and he he plays a part fine. 
Wait, who's Michael Hutchins? Lead singer of NXS. Oh, who's the other guy? Jason Patrick. Oh, who's that? He was in Speed 2, Electric Boogaloo. Was he this, the guy who wasn't Keanu Reeves? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's American, mm-hmm. playing British. Mm-hmm. They're at least trying. They're at least trying. Yeah. Michael Hutchins is Australian, uh-huh. playing British. Okay. Bridget Fonda is American, supposed to be yeah, British, British, playing American. Yeah. I, it, it, the accents are all over the map. I kind of enjoy that from a bad movie perspective. Like, yeah. at, this is totally, weird. especially in the court scene where you have British accents, yes. and American accents happening at the same time. Yes, yeah. Some real, some put on. Yeah. So it's all it's all over the map. Yeah. It's everywhere. And this is the thing, though. This is the thing. If you go back and watch Roger Corman's films, and you can watch a few of them, like on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. There's a great one called The Undead, uh-huh. uh, where, which is actually very similar. Now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it, so in The Undead, a psychologist. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist goes to Tibet, Tibet to learn hypnotization. And he learns. <laughs> is that, the, oh, is that yeah, a word? I don't think. Right. I don't know. It's right. Right. <laughs> he learns how to hypnotize. Hypnotism. Hypnotism. Learns how to hypnotize motherfuckers. <laughs> so he, he goes and then he figures out he can send people back in time by hypnotizing them. And he sends ah. this prostitute huh. back in time and she experiences Arthurian legend. Uh, back in time and then he goes back in time to 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 witness it himself yeah and they meet the devil and it's wild shit what year is the devil in (laughs) he's in the he's in the past Uh, Um, ain't this year but but all of them have all of them have just accents all over the map like it's it's really interesting to me like that's a roger corman thing like the accents are just everywhere. Maybe he doesn't hear accents. Well, it reminds me a lot of like theater productions. Because mm-hmm. like when you go to see a Shakespeare, some people are trying to do British, some people are not trying to do British, some people huh. are. It's it's all over the map. And I, I know uh, bad I just, Shakespeare. Bad. I just love the when you're going to see a Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, can I get one ticket to a Shakespeare, please? <laughs> when you're watching the MTV, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. It was it was weird and funny and and every time somebody spoke I just kept being like ah, really? <laughs> so weird. Yeah. I did not like the monster. Oh, interesting. Okay, let's talk I, about the monster. I very strongly disliked the monster. <laughs> What about uh, it did you dislike? For me, I think it was part of that sort of stage performance that his theatricality was very big. It reminded me of uh uh Gerard Butler's Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. Uh, like I seen that. Yeah. Like I oh I love Phantom of the Opera and I think in that context I enjoy that, but in this context no one else was acting that way and so for him to suddenly just be a little bit more like this, I was like what are you doing? I think <laughs> that's what I liked about Oh, the yeah, the monster was because he was, he was like smarter and faster but he didn't and stronger. Know what murder was. He didn't he know didn't... what the word murder was. He knew how to murder. <laughs> yeah, he, he had already murdered. And I think that, like I t- touched upon this earlier, I think that is what I liked about this movie is that he was, he was like very smart and cognizant of. Of life, but he didn't know what it was to, like, it didn't know what it meant to be alive. Right, and that was like the more interesting parts to me was when he would like go up to that kid and be like, "Who made you?" Yeah, or like when he was having that conversation with the uh, Joe it? Buchanan with Buchanan <laughs> about like who is God, maybe, and like I think that kind of thing is like the things that. 
are like inherently like born within us like faith and and like where we come from as like as a person but for that to be missing in this monster was like really interesting and probably one of the what I thought you were think gonna say was the closer uh version of the book it is personality wise he's closer to the book right. than probably most of the frankensteins i've mm-hmm. seen uh-huh. looks wise no like <laughs> looks looks wise they so in the book he just looks like a corpse mm-hmm. like he's basically his skin is yellowed his eyes are always watering which mm-hmm. i think would also be an interesting thing to think of this monster is always crying mm-hmm. um his lips are black like mm-hmm. he he looks like a corpse he but he's very tall and very animated it's just so when people see him they're kind of like oh do you yeah. ever watch penny dreadful yeah is it kind of like him like him I never got to the frankenstein stuff that's like two episodes in yeah i only watched one and a half episodes <laughs> oh, okay well, that's one and a half episodes into the show yeah i think it's a very so, good turned show. It off right before yeah. no i think i turned it off right as he made it the monster that's because the end of one episode, he's like sitting there holding the monster or something, isn't he? I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Yeah, I, little, I do mean a to delightful little twist. I do <laughs> mean to go back yeah. and watch it. I think it's a good show. I just for some reason I I stopped and I never it's went. Kind of a lot. It was heavy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I agree with Rachel. I think that the the monster in the book is much more articulate mm-hmm. by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that book is him learning to speak and uh, observing another family and stuff like that. Right. So it's like, it's, there's a, there's a whole lot there, but in this one, like him being able to hold a conversation and ask questions and everything, he's, he's playing kind of like a, a, a child, mm-hmm. like, you know, he, who's been alive for yeah. a little bit. Maybe a little uh, too much like a child. Well, and I don't, I, I don't mind like the ideas behind it, and I am fine with even the writing of him. It's more the performance and the look. Mm. Of sure, him that I, I, I don't like. I just feel like he's in a different movie. His well, he also really changes. He he's he changes depending on what the scene needs him to be, which I don't like. That's yeah. a very yeah. Sometimes he's very like just like dumb animal hitting people. And then other times he is very articulate and talking about go- the meaning of God. And I'm like, well, also he has like the performance. He has that, you know, please murder. Uh. Yeah. And then other times he's side eyeing these kids and like smirking and like, mm, yes. I'll, I think you know. kicking him, kicking it off with that. Like his first line is not knowing what the word murder is, which puts him in a weird position. It for makes the rest it seem like movie. childlike, like you said. Yeah, like, because for this movie, you're thinking like. He didn't know what murder was, but he knows what this was. He didn't know what murder was, but he knew what this was. That's what I was doing yeah. all the time. Well, yes. and I like the idea of the who made you, who made me, reckoning with that like yeah. creator thing. But I don't, I don't feel like at least to me, maybe I didn't pick up on this. Like, where does the idea come from that he needs a mate? No, it was not. It was like he suddenly learns that people are made by a man and yeah. woman. I think somebody tells him that of like, oh, he was born of woman, and then he suddenly goes. Well, I need a mate. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah. well, I'm not sure, one, that's even going to work. <laughs> but two, like, that's a weird leap <laughs> to take. He's not a scientist. He doesn't know. Yeah. Well, no, I think the weird leap is the important thing there. It's uh, like personally. the whole crux of this movie becomes, like, you will make me a mate or I will kill your 
wife, wife. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And then he still kills the wife girlfriend and he still makes him a mate, which That's, is isn't that well, what the book no, is too though. I don't think that I don't think that happens in the book. I thought he wanted a mate in the book. No, he wants a mate. Yeah, okay. He wants a mate, but Victor refuses to do it and then they are led then there's this chase uh, that happens. I thought he tried. He doesn't try? No, he was thinking about it. Okay. And like got all of his stuff together and was going to do it. But right. then he okay. sank. I think he sinks it to the bottom of a lake. By get all his stuff together, part of that does involve making a corpse woman, right? Yeah. yeah okay. But he doesn't. No. I don't think I he does it. He does it. everything but act, like activate Acti- it. <laughs> well, I don't even think he gets. A, I think he. Lo- I don't know. It's been. It's honestly been. We did leave that part out of the any plot synopsis we Oh, did, yeah. Is that the fact that he. It's his wife, girlfriend, Elizabeth. Fiance, who, right? I don't remember. Fiance. Um, fiance slash cousin slash adopted sister. Whoa. Is all of that true? In the book. I mean, according to the book, yes. yeah. Not as if he's not a real person. We'll establish that here. <laughs> um, but Matt thinks yeah. Frankenstein's real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Frankenstein's monster's real. Oh, okay. um, really, they we're all the monster, after. aren't we? Oh. oh. The monster inside. <gasps> yes. Become the monster. In excess. Um, devil inside. Devil inside. Yes. Oh, God. Sing the whole Every song. Every single one of us. <laughs> the devil inside. <laughs> I just like the, the end credits song. Uh, I don't remember what the hell I was saying now. That, oh, that uh, he made a Frankenstein's wife. Yes. But like the whole thing is that he's going to kill Frankenstein's. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth. And otherwise, I don't know. But he ends up killing her anyways. And then they make her into Bride of Frankenstein. That's pretty fucked up. Well, he it's wants very to get weird. her back. He could have chosen any other lady. Well, he, he wants, wants to, to bring, bring her, her back. back for himself. But it is a bad idea to have Frankenstein involved why in that in any a, capacity. Why did he put the two other uh, fingers on her then? I don't yes. know if those are fingers. One I think they're of, rods. One part of Frankenstein oh, in this movie is that he has huge, strange fingers on either side of his well, hand. Well, it's also like half of his hand is like one hand and half of his hand is like a different hand. Yeah. No, he has hand yeah and then extra fingers. oh this. Weird. no extra this weird yes. oh that's weird and that's what she has too it yes. seems a vital part of the frankenstein process is to that's, have extra that's fingers. his signature it's his art like he's like yeah. this yeah. is my creation yeah yeah Girl. i don't want this to be confused with any know, other that's how you know they also a... look like hot dogs yeah do. <laughs> i was very confused yeah. by those i don't understand why they were there but yeah but yes. so he makes so here's an interesting moment you well, hold got on your... i want to make sure we wrap that up of like he brings her back and then they're all transported to the future weird dusty sand planet wherever that snowy planet that is at the end and he's like oh it's Elizabeth she's back she's mine like come to me or whatever like that and then she takes his gun and shoots herself yeah Uh, so not she sacrificed twice in this plot yeah Um, (laughs) but she also wants to be out of her hellish existence I understand that as a character I'm saying as the writers of this film they like how can we kill make this the, the saddest no. thing for we'll Frankenstein? We need to motivate him by killing her twice. Yeah, and he gets fan cracked of... in half pretty much basically right after that. Though yes, he does yeah. get cracked in half, which I, I thought guess was, kills him. I thought that was effective. Yeah, I was like, oh, like the yeah, the monster picks up Raul Julia uh-huh. and banes him, and ju- doesn't even bane him. Like in midair, just... just twists him in half. Uh-huh. It's oh. And it was terrifying. Yeah. That's why he has the the extra fingers. Oh. For extra gripping and ripping <laughs> yeah. power. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, at one point he grabs Buchanan, I think, by the neck. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can see the extra fingers curl around his neck. Mm. And I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> why does he murder people? It's not like I built him for murdering yeah, with people. With huge crushing hands. <laughs> <laughs> Well, an interesting thing, and I somebody write the, write in if you know the difference, but I don't believe I don't believe that 
that that is present now in the book he does kill elizabeth the monster kills elizabeth mm-hmm. but then that's the end of elizabeth and i don't think there's a bride that actually happens but the fascinating thing to me is that this movie does this and then kenneth branagh's mary shelley's frankenstein which comes out th- 4 years later does the almost exact same thing. There's a, a lit, like a bride brought to life. Yeah, Helena Bonham Carter. Oh yeah, is, right. Is killed by the monster. Right. And then Kenneth Branagh brings her back. Does she play Elizabeth in the movie? Yeah. Oh, weird. And then she, I, I don't know how it happens, but she also commits suicide basically huh. after that. He copied. I'm I'm <laughs> very like it, it's so the same that I'm like, is there like another chapter of this book that was later released where this happened? Because like it's like. It's yeah. the same, except one happens in the future. And, <laughs> oh yeah, right. I forgot about that yeah. part. Yeah. But yeah, a very bizarre uh, coincidence. I yeah. don't know. Huh. I really like Raul Julia's one line of "I'm a scientist. I cannot sin." Oh yeah, he that was he had a cool perspective. Like not a cool one, but like anytime an like God was brought him, up, he's yeah. just like. You idiot, I'm a scientist. Patui, I don't believe Patui. in God. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, he's very adamant about that. Uh-huh. But it, it, I mean, in, a, in an interesting way, it goes back to Buchanan's point at the beginning where it's like, hey, you wanted a weapon. Yeah. I, this is your fault, you know? Well, it, I think, again, something that could have been more interesting had it been explored fully is the idea that Buchanan seems to like get closer to God as the film goes on. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he kind of like is outright, like, kind of like atheistic yeah. right. with Victor Frankenstein at the beginning when they first meet and talk about it. But as it goes on, he starts, when Frankenstein, the monster asks him, like, who made you? He's like, I don't know, God maybe? Yeah. And God I'm like, maybe. Who is God maybe? Right, which is pretty good, but also does show that Buchanan's changing in a weird way yeah. for well, some then, reason. Then he overcorrects. Yeah. And says, I am God. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's right. fair. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also didn't talk about uh, the weird little side flashes that ex- like um, he has oh, weird nightmares, nightmares throughout yes. this film. Oh, God, that I completely forgot to about nothing, And they have very good striking visual imagery, but they yeah. don't lead to anything. He keeps dreaming about some kind of Dracula with like a bloody face experimenting on him. It's him. Yeah. Is it him? Yeah. So yeah. he's that guy too. Yeah. Okay. But also he's also being experimented yes. on. Okay. See, and my whole thing is I thought this movie was going to end with when he's walking towards that future city. I thought he was gonna, like, gonna go in to a lab and like see himself being experimented on or something and realize that this whole thing has been in his head while he was on the operating table and because of what was happening to him he actually thought he was Victor Frankenstein or something like that. Oh, it's Jacob's Ladder. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I thought like that seemed a more natural place for this movie to end than not ending at all. And not referencing does. the dreams in any capacity. Yes, either. like bringing them together and like maybe he is also a, a created person, like a created monster, but just like the future version of that because they hit home so many times the idea of who made you, who made you, mm-hmm. and the uncertainty of that, that I felt like there was going to be a payoff of him finding out that he was created. Oh, there's no payoff. No. <laughs> no. But it's like, and I think that goes back to what I was saying, is that there's so much in this movie but that doesn't connect with each other. Mm. There's that whole theme, but then there's the whole theme of like um, what... Nick was saying about creating a weapon so like when humanity is unchecked 
it's just like I don't know. It just feels so disconnected <laughs> no, because I there's agree so with that. many yeah. themes. But there doesn't seem to be a central theme. Yeah. Yeah. You got all these, which can be, you know, like, I'm sure that there are films like that, but usually you have one theme tying everything together. And then you can have these other things that pop mm-hmm. in and, mm-hmm. and there. But yeah, this does seem to be lacking that central theme, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, pretty paramount to Shelley's novel. Yeah. Like, it, it, there, there's a central theme about irresponsibility and and not... You know, and and then looking, <laughs> sort of looking to the heavens and being why when you've created yeah. an atomic bomb you and know? an easy yeah and an easy one to insert a scientist slash weapons manufacturer from the future yes. into. I mean, let's be honest, Iron, Iron Man, Man did this better. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Iron Man isn't a, a philosophical film, really. The first one kind of is, kind of, but. I mean, really, it's at its heart. It's a thrilling. It's yeah. about. Th- it's a thrilling movie. It's, he is the most philosophical of the the movie Marvel characters. Really, you don't think that. Cap is more philosophical? Oh, I think Tony Stark having He's... to reckon with the fact that he has sold these weapons, or he hasn't, but his weapons have ended up in the hands of the quote unquote bad yeah. guys in the movie. Like his reckoning with that is pretty and continues yeah. through the movie. Like, yeah. like I mean, Cap, Cap has to deal never... with like leaving his time and Cap many, everyone he knows guy, is dead. Though. Well, no, well, Cap going... has to keep, Cap has, this is a new podcast, Cap has <laughs> to deal with, um, they both have to deal with responsibility in different ways. Right. So like Iron Man has to deal with self-responsibility and like, what am I taking? Which is very Frankenstein. Like that is the whole thing that, that Victor Frankenstein does not take responsibility for anything he's done. And he says, you know, I can't sin, I'm a scientist. Right. Uh, let us not forget Ultron. <laughs> Oh yeah, literally oh, yeah. yeah. a murderous yes. monster created monster. by Tony Stark, yeah. right? Who, but he and he does not seem to take responsibility for anything after that first Iron Man, right? Like he doesn't seem to take responsibility for Ultron. He doesn't take responsibility for yeah. um, the the Whiplash guy. He, he puts does, it all on Cap. He puts it all on Cap at the you know he's the one that chased away Cap at the end of um, Civil War, mm-hmm. and then gets mad at Cap when Cap returns and it's like what are you doing man like it's hard, and it's hard to have a friend uh, uh, oh no going back to frank <laughs> <laughs> um i think that that is what would make this movie a whole lot better is that there is no consequences for buchanan because he's made this this like really powerful weapon right. but it's also destroying the like the planet as they are. And so it would have made sense for him to be sucked into the past to learn from Frankenstein's mistakes, get sucked back to present or even like just a little bit past present and be like, I must not make this weapon. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. There's no, there's no reckoning for him. Yes. All right. Well, Rachel, let's see if you want to add on to that in ways that you would fix this. Uh, I would go either one way or the other. I would go either the direction of what it is to for a man t- to be left unchecked kind of thing and no theme of what it means to be alive mm-hmm. kind of thing or what does it mean to be alive and no... Uh, weapons thing but 
The weapons one wouldn't make sense for Buchanan's story just because, like, his whole thing is about the weapon. Yeah. Which is why I think that if you wanted to go that direction, it would be more interesting to see what it was like to be in 2031 and why is that weapon important to have and, like, what kind of atrocities, like... Right, what happens when you take an atomic bomb back? Yeah. You know, what does that do? Or, like, what kind of things have happened to let lead uh, humans to be like, we need a weapon to where it does blah, blah, blah kind of thing. That sounds like a movie without Frankenstein in it. Mm. You can fit him in somewhere. No, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what they did here. Is like, you yeah. just fit in Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just feel like he could have gone, like, why go back to Frankenstein if you're going to the route of if humanity is left unchecked kind of thing? When you can go, if you're going to go back to, in the past, why go back to, why not go back to something that actually happened? Oh, I see what you're saying. Go back to like atomic bomb testing or something? Yeah. And, oh, like oh, that. that's interesting. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but in, instead, like he went back to something where like we as an audience or as a viewer, we then have to correct our our like mindset and be like, OK, this is like a f- this is fictional to us, but huh. it's real in this reality of this movie. And then we have to like keep picking up the pieces to like create this to put this puzzle together as to why he went back to the past of Frankenstein uh, real Frankenstein yeah I think it's huh. interesting too to think about that because I think and you guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong but like I think that the term Frankenstein's monster gets misused when you're describing things mm-hmm. because Sometimes they think that, oh, it's a weapon you created that's more powerful than you thought it would be, and it's more destructive than you thought it would be, and blah, 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 blah. But the actual point of Frankenstein's monster is irresponsibility of the creator. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the point. It's not the, the weapon's not the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie kind of does that. It kind of confuses those two things because the problem is not. Uh, the monster, the problem is the irresponsibility of Victor. Mm-hmm. and But the problem is more with the weapon, that the weapon that he's created has created more problems. It's, it, I don't know. It's it's a very weird thing. So, Like, yeah. I'm sure that there has been so many other things in actual nonfiction human past right. to where it's like, and that might have been cool too, where it would be like, in the vein of uh, a Christmas uh, carol, carol, right? Yeah. Where he goes oh. back to multiple pasts in human pasts, where he goes back to like oh, the H bomb, or he that goes would be back so to, much like, cooler, different, really cool. <laughs> different t- like different paths or and then like he goes to the way future and like this is kind of have like. Damn you. Damn you all the hell. It's kind of like a combination (laughs) of Christmas Carol and the time machine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I think if they were to go that direction, that's what they should have done. And that would have been a way more. Well, that would have been way better. Yeah. Oh, that's Uh, the idea of a sci-fi Christmas Carol with destructive weapons. 
Trademark, trademark. You guys trademark. heard of Doctor Who? Well, yeah, but Doctor Who, everything you're describing is a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, but no, Doctor Who's not. too silly. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Who is just always going somewhere in some past or uh, alternate universe, and then there's always zombies. That's yeah. not what Doctor Who is. <laughs> eh, kind of is. There's Never... always a horde of, of a horde alien of things coming at them. Yes. I mean, he's an alien. <laughs> Sam, you. Yeah. You, I'm just saying there is literally a Christmas Carol based episode. I know, but this is a different this is thing. Different Matt. thing, Matthew. We're gonna write it. It's gonna be really good. Yes. And All right. Well, it. and you don't get any credit. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy to avoid that. You're We're the gonna naysayer. say thanks to everyone we know except Matt. Cool. At the beginning There's of the movie, there's gonna be an yeah. IMDb credit that just says "not thanks." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, how would you fix Frankenstein Unbound? Uh, well, God, I just got my mind blown by a uh, good right? idea. Yeah, yeah, I know. My you should have gone with me first. So. What I was thinking was basically the same where it would have more of a through line where he would end up back at the time he came from at the end and be like, I can't, this can't happen, and then smash right. up his machine, which is like the pretty obvious one. Another one, I think it would be fun if they made it kind of like a sleuthy kind of story where he and Mary Shelley are teaming up to figure something out or foil some kind of plan. Give Mm -hmm. her a reason to be there more than just like getting things explained to her. Yeah. Um, And then getting our hero laid. Yeah. Which is the weirdest use of her possible, but not, I I agree with you saying that that line is okay. And like that part of the movie's, fine but they didn't nobody is taking advantage of her no totally like she is in control of that situation and I'm like great and maybe it's more of like a testament to that she is interesting when she's on screen that she should have more to do than what she does another thing that when you were talking about um people confusing Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster and talking about God is maybe he made the car AI. So maybe mm-hmm. there's something there with like, he's starting to be like, well, well, this AI that I've been making, maybe he's like an AI programmer instead of a weapons manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And then he has to think about like, well, does my car feel the way that this Frankenstein feels? Yeah, I and was then, thinking that, and I thought when I was watching it, I was like, did I forget? Cause I thought it was going to turn out that the, the room he goes into, the AI was his car. It like it had like it developed, like it had just grown and developed. Like it sat where it was yeah. for the whole time. That makes sense. That, that that's what would it would make be. sense. <laughs> and maybe that is what it is. Maybe he just screwed up history so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it says his Whisked name. It, it has a laser. Yeah. I guess it's his car. It's loyal to him somehow. And it kind of would be in the same place that the car would be maybe. Anyway. No, they walk a long do ways they? to yeah, get they, to Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. That's when he's narrating. Oh, right. He's like, well, this is going to take a while. Take I might as well tell you what happened. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to derail <laughs> no, you there. No, you're right. But I think maybe an AI, an AI, kind of similar to the Christmas Carol thing, like the Frankenstein version of an AI person who has to think about the creation he's making in a different a different way. I had another idea, but I forget what it is now. <laughs> uh, Ernest wouldn't fix this movie. <laughs> I'm long in it. No. no. Hold on. No, I, I, I agree What with if that. Ernest was the voice of the car? Okay, maybe then that would okay. be really good. A now wacky we're talking. Car, a wacky car. But Ernest Meets Frankenstein would be a powerful movie. Whoa. That would be great. Oh, my god! He'd be friends with Frankenstein, and they would mess up Vern's house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they would. Um, I th- oh, I remember what I was going to say. For a minute, I thought he was going to marry the car, that they would make the car the bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. But didn't happen. I, I just thought of another thing. Uh, one, like, tiny thing, like, if... I can only change one thing and you only, it had to be, you have like a hundred dollars to change it kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, 
fix Frankenstein's hair. <laughs> yeah, his gross orange hair. His gross really hair. Bad. In the novel, his hair is actually luxurious. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, like he's got like nice black hair. Yeah, he's like almost handsome in yeah. the novel. It's just that he looks like he's dead. I was going like, to say, I yeah. thought you described him as yellowing with black lips and dying. And no, he's but like his, and also that. But like, you know, very, he's very goth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Haven't you ever seen a goth You guys are turning on me for weird things today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I'm not attracted to corpses, guys. Well, I'm just saying, like he, like if you think of like a classic Dracula, like Dracula is supposed to also yeah. look pale and not great, but also be weirdly handsome yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what Mary Shelley was going for yeah. with the monster. Uh, also, but also in another in another way, I respect this movie for being so weird and so pointless and, and like. Also looking fairly good and being fairly well acted yeah. at the same time. So yeah. maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be changed. I don't think it's a badly directed film. Mm. I don't know about that one, <laughs> oh, Sam. <okay. laughs> it does need to be changed. Oh, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's but you are right in the sense that like the acting is like very on point. I, like they had the good, main character. Acting. Yeah. Yeah. Well they had good actors. They had uh, good money, decent production design, yeah. uh-huh. decent. I'm not saying anything better than decent because there's right. a man that the intro to the or the the uh, entryway into the tavern looks like it was made at a high school <laughs> with these little torches. Just, <laughs> like, yeah. it's like it's also not, like the when they get to future sand snow planet, whatever. You, oh, the backdrop is like backdrop. five oh, yeah. feet behind John Hurt, <laughs> and it's just clearly just painted right there. And I'm like, ooh. And Frankenstein yeah. starts walking into the distance, and then he just kind of like turns abruptly and starts walking against the wall. Yep. It's like, yeah. don't walk one more step, Frankenstein. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to Truman Show. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, so yeah. I, I think that the screenplay is the problem here. Oh, I, totally. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, how would you fix it? Uh, well, we already talked about Doctor Who, and I'm going to talk more about Doctor Who. Because <laughs> basically, at the end of this, I was trying to think of how I would fix it, and I was like, okay, well, it needs to be shorter. Cause... It's already so oh, short. it's short, but so much doesn't happen. Yeah. It, that yeah, takes up so. too much time in this. So I feel like I was started to think, I was like, okay, take out the weird flashes. Yeah. Take out the yeah. weird middle sections where not a lot is happening, and they're just hanging out by a lake and sleeping together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this could be like an episode of something if you shortened it. And then I was like, oh, it kind of already is. There's an episode of Doctor Who called The Unicorn and the Wasp where the Doctor goes and meets Agatha Christie mm-hmm. and hangs out with Agatha Christie and satif- satisfies the thing that you're talking about, Sam, of work together with the author right. to solve or fix or whatever take place in the story that she eventually writes. Right. And that's what I would have liked to see from this of – we get that sort of like buddy cop shot of them two in the car, uh-huh. but all we get from that is like him saying, "Hey, you write a book someday," <laughs> and then he like drops her off yeah. and like leaves her to go do fun things. But like, if she had just come along and got to at least witness the final battle and talk to the monster, maybe a little bit. Get yeah, to know the monster. well, I'm even okay with like she doesn't. She can help out with maybe she has to be the one to fire the laser. Oh yeah, instead of like activating it, however he does, yeah. she's the Doc Brown. Right. Yeah, and exactly. then Mary Shelley throughout history has a talking c- car. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> spin-off series. I cool. love this. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Shelley and her talking car. Yeah. That's just the name of the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, if like she was coming along and she was like watching them battle, and he gave her something to do of like when I say so, fire this laser, and then she watches them all disappear, and right. then she decides to then tell a version of this story. 
Yeah. And then she can genuinely be inspired rather than every time she's inspired to write this is something we saw we didn't see. Right. Yeah. She started the story before we meet her. Yeah. And we don't know why. And she no, doesn't see That anything. doesn't track. Like it does yeah. her her I agree. But yeah, I think that's what like <laughs> yes. I, I realized what, like all of my fixes of this were basically turning it into that Doctor Who episode. And I was like, Oh well, yeah. I guess like they already kinda did that. And there's also been Doctor Who like audio dramas and comic books where the Doctor and Mary Shelley hang out. Oh, okay. And she gets inspired to write Frankenstein and I'm like oh, okay so yeah there are different other versions of this out there that I would enjoy more so there have also been Doctor Who episodes that make as much sense as this movie oh absolutely yeah but there's a thousand of those you can find good ones in between <laughs> yeah that's true. this is just one thing yeah <laughs> well if you, if you were gonna write a book I just have one question if you were gonna write a book but somebody from the future came and they printed your book out and then you were like, well, would you write the book or would you just be like, I could write the book or I could just use this book that they printed out for me? I mean, definitely take the print. Yeah, I would just take it and be like, my book is done. A Look version of me like, wrote this book. Well, it's fine. I already made it. So <laughs> clearly I've made this thing. Yeah. So I'm not really stealing yeah. anything. And the butterfly effect apparently doesn't exist in this world. <laughs> so I, it's fine. And I can't like. I can't make it better or worse because it's going to happen. So there it is. Well, like yeah. the worst part of writing is writing. Yeah. So it's like, oh, if I could just be handed a great thing I made. Yeah. Like if somebody just came to me and was like, hey, you... here's a movie you directed. You want to <laughs> release it now? I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go me. And on top of that, you could be like, oh, I have this book already. I'm going to read it and then make it even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to fix all these fucking problems. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I my thing is actually goes into something that Rachel was talking about earlier on, which is I wanted to spend way more time in the future. And I wanted to see... I wanted to see something that really made him have to reckon with what he had done mm -hmm. like and so i'm thinking of a world ending cataclysmic event and not mm -hmm. just hmm. he got sucked away like y yeah and that's that was actually something i forgot to mention is that i felt no connection whatsoever and i was almost bored by buchanan yeah yeah he is he should not be the main character of this movie. <laughs> Mary Shelley right. should be the main character of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or Victor Frankenstein. Like, let them both be more crucial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would say you could have a really cool sequence at the beginning. You don't have to do a lot with special effects. Just, like, it's, the world is crumbling and, you know, you can do that with shaky cam and, and, and lighting and everything. And yeah. so it's just more so you really feel that... the that he has really destroyed like this, this, this is be worse than the a bomb. Like this yeah. is, this is the end. And then he has to go back and learn from that. And then he gets the opportunity to come back and fix it like right. that. I agree. There, there's nothing really tying it together. I don't understand his journey mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Like I, it, especially cause he doesn't seem to care that he, he is like yeah. in a wasteland forever. Oh, he also doesn't seem to care at the beginning of the movie that he causes the world to end. And he doesn't seem to ever like think about anything he does. No, yeah, so. but and for good or bad, he also doesn't seem evil. No, he, he seems like a Kafka character. So it's like Kafka. All of the characters that Kafka wrote in like uh, uh, Metamorphosis and in um, is it the Prisoner, I think, or the Trial. It, one of those where something weird has happened, and for, and for some reason the main character is just going like, "Well, I guess I'm on trial for something. I don't know. Oh no, this is oh, annoying. Yeah. Like, I guess I'm just a bug now. Yeah, like I guess I'm <laughs> just a bug now. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, and and it's. It works in Kafka because it's so bizarre, mm -hmm. but here it, it's just you don't connect, right? And that's yeah. that's a problem. Like he, 
I think Sam, you talked about it, or Rachel, one of you two talked about the idea of like he or my, Matt. I, I have no idea. One of us was talking about the idea where Abby was it, it you? Been, <laughs> Abby, it could have been Nick himself. That he doesn't seem bothered at all that he's in been transported back in time. Oh, Matt, like Matt. like yeah. he eventually yeah. just. Just, just sort of like, oh, well, I'm gonna trade this ring, get myself some nice trout, and then yeah. I'm gonna. That was very weird and very quick. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, he's suddenly like, the guy asks him for like money, and instead of being like, oh, I don't have any cash, and then being weirded out by that, he just immediately is like, hmm, I feel I'll like barter. Goes, he should have got more for that ring. <laughs> well, I don't know how many inflation. Are. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Been a lot. I, I like. I mean, I did like the moment where he says, "I'll give you fifty francs." He's like, fifty francs and the trout." <laughs> like, okay, it's cool, yeah. but there's not a lot there. So yeah, it, it, more at the beginning to to really show that. It, and fi- I mean, that is, I don't want to compare it totally to Iron Man, but that's one of the best things that Iron Man does. Is man, you really are with Tony Stark for a long time, learning mm-hmm. about what his weapons have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't get that moment here. And I don't think that's something that Iron Man was the first to do. I just think that's a storytelling thing of just we got to stay with this character and understand him because that isn't the trajectory of this character and mm-hmm. I think it needed to be mm-hmm. it, uh, it is kind of like a Christmas carol too you spend a long time with Ebenezer before anything right. ever happens learning about how much of a jerk he is yeah yeah you have to know that otherwise his journey mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. but again Dickens mm-hmm. There's a journey with Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. There's a point that we're getting to, mm-hmm. and here there the, the character doesn't really have a point. Yeah, especially when at the end you just shuttle him off to some kind of weird future that we don't know even less about than the rest of the stuff we don't know anything yeah. about. And he just seems bemused. Yeah, and also he has neighborhood children that like to hang out in his yard. Dig and up his yard. Seems Dig pretty nice too. He's like cool. Yeah, huh? he's yeah. like nice to to like his neighbors, but. Simultaneously to, destroying the world. Yeah, simultaneously rude to like the to like the people he's working with. So yeah, and that dichotomy could be interesting, uh-huh. right? Like you could have like you you could have Doctor Frankenstein who is you know relentless and awful and and you know does all this in the face of God and whatever, mm-hmm. but is also really kind to children and and does these other things. And you're like, who are you? Mm-hmm. This like is like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Who is just seems to be an awful dude, but then when he works with kids, he's like, "You're great." Yes. Yeah. So I've heard that he just made that persona up for TV. Well, which one? The the, the mean, mean one. Oh, okay. And that he's really nice to people that work for him for real. Yeah. He just pretends to be mean on TV. Oh, hope that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm getting into it, <laughs> but if you watch the British. Uh, uh, Restaurant nightmares or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's actually really nice to all of yeah, them. Yeah, he's much nicer in yeah. the British ones than he is in the American ones. I mean, I, maybe that's American. I'm sure like some American people. producer yeah, yeah. was yeah. like, "We need the mean Goram." <laughs> what? What? What American? What? Yeah. What was that? <laughs> I think that's a Nebraska accent. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't question me. <laughs> mean the Gorum. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, let's move on to how we would rate this. We each have our own rating systems. Mine is what Star Wars movie is it? And I've been picking this a lot lately. Um, because I think we've watched a lot of movies that I don't think are that bad. I don't think this is a bad movie. I think that it has problems. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't work. Like, I still like elements of it, um, mostly the performances. But at the end of the day, it's Return of the Jedi. There's a lot in here that I like, but there's also a long stretch of boring or a long stretch of nothing happening. Yeah. Um, and a couple simple rewrites could have yes, made it all work a lot better. Absolutely. A couple yeah. simple rewrites could have fixed a lot of this. So yeah. that's my choice. Matt? Uh, 
I didn't enjoy this movie as much as you guys did, I don't think. I mean, that's uh, totally fair. So I put it into the category of my rating system, which is what Batman movie is this? And thinking about it, it was like, okay, I kind of like ideas of this movie, but I don't like any of the execution. Hmm. So it's Suicide Squad. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That is a Batman movie, I guess. Yeah, right. he's yeah, in it. it is, and yeah. similarly, uh, of like which character I would like to see more important, like I'd like to see more Batman in Suicide Squad. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'd like to see more Mary Shelley and Victor Frankenstein in this movie. Okay. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. I also like, yeah, I, I think I like many of the normal Batman movies more than I liked this movie, so okay, it'd be hard to compare those that's two. That's fair. I understand. Rachel, mm-hmm. what's your... Rating system. So I'm a, a A through F rating system, uh, where A is uh, it's a movie, it's it's okay, kind of thing, and F is uh, why are you putting this piece of trash in front of my face? Get it out of my face. I'm not even gonna say please. <laughs> You're gonna kind say now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So I would say this is. Maybe a C minus. Ouch. Okay. Um, I think, like you guys were saying, some like minor rewrites. But in my brain, my rewrites are major. Oh no, your version is a massive yeah reimagining of it, which is way better. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like because the jump from Frankenstein Unbound to Rachel's Frankenstein Unbound. <laughs> Which doesn't have Frankenstein in it. Mary Shelley's Rachel's Frankenstein Unbound. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Rachel's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein yeah. Unbound. Uh, Ruth it's Chris. So, it's so, the jump between that and that is so massive that it's just like, like the, at the end of the movie, I was just like, what is going on? I do not understand. I do not like this. Like, um, But like, C minus is a passing, so it is. <laughs> I mean, technically, D is passing. Yeah. So. So there's that. <laughs> so that's my grade. C okay. minus. All right. Sam, are uh, you gonna flush it? I don't know. Mine's a European toilet system. So if you ever go to Europe, they have toilets. They have two buttons. One button is a bigger flush for poop. One button is a smaller flush for pee. And my hotel keep... in L.A. had those. Well, they're only in Europe. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't the same. Slightly yeah. shit. <laughs> That's an American European toilet. Um, <laughs> so no, keep... it's California because they're all about they're water preservation. Over there, yeah. <laughs> so you keep pushing the buttons till the thing goes down the toilet. I am very torn about this one. Because I think if it was if I was flipping through TV and I saw it on a channel, I would probably stop and watch it if it was like reasonably into the movie and I didn't have to watch it for very long. But it wasn't bad enough that I would want to like sit with a big group of people and laugh at it or anything like. No, that. that's I think my point as well. <clears throat> so it's kind of in a weird. It's not place. inept. Like no. it, it's not embarrassing. No, yeah, definitely not. The script is a little bit embarrassing. A little bit of time. The complete I think for 90, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that embarrassing for 90. I think it's, it more leaves you with questions at the end rather mm-hmm. than like throughout. You're not like, what are you doing? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like it's at the end. You're like, wait, well, why did any of that stuff happen? Right. It doesn't. Yeah. Only at the end of the movie do you think this movie was complete nonsense. It takes <laughs> yeah. up until then. So I think I would just pee flush it, I guess, because I don't really want it on my knickknack shelf. Sure. Uh, I had something like in a cabinet under the sink, but I can't remember <laughs> what that was. 
<laughs> I don't think it goes there either. Oh yeah, yeah. There was something you wanted to keep, but didn't want people didn't to necessarily see. You need to keep it under there with the bleach. Maybe this would be. It would be like a magazine in my bathroom, also under the shelf. <laughs> that like, if I knew I was going to be in there for a long time, I my really want to see a drawing of all these. Yeah, we have to go back through and listen to your <laughs> Like I'm picturing like a little figurine of like of each movie <gasps> things. There's like a things a thing. creature. Like the, like a little creature or a character or like an object yeah. from each movie. Some memorabilia from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. And there a chainsaw. Too. Yeah, <laughs> a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. So so I think maybe I don't want to flush it. I think, okay. I think it's it could be like a toilet. It's toilet paper maybe or something like that. It does get flushed. <laughs> Whoa! But you don't flush it. But it's on your butt. <laughs> it's on my butt. Would you put this movie on your butt? No, no, I wouldn't put it on my butt. I like it better as a magazine. It's like a high, an old highlights magazine. Think that about some of the, the mazes multiple are done. fingers. That, that's true. You wouldn't want Frankenstein's multiple fingers wiping your butt. <laughs> oh. It's okay. a it's a New Yorker, but the crossword puzzle at the end's all done, so it's kind of useless. Like there's not any fun to be had with it, and it's kind of boring. That's wow, I really is. lost the thread on this one, but that's fine. I don't want it to go away. Okay. I like it in the world. It's okay. I, that's a nice way to put it. I I also like it. It's in a the cultural world. artifact. <laughs> it is, especially that like, no we, one's ever heard of. But yeah. we talked very briefly about this. this. Is Roger Corman's last film, and I think it, when you look back on film history, he's a very important figure. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a single Roger Corman movie. You must have for this show. Maybe. No, no. I think this I is this past, might, and I don't think I've. Uh, I've seen, seen his Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, there you go. That's the only oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. The old, old Little Shop. Yeah, yeah with the Jack Nicholson, Nicholson one. one. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, it's uh, like it's. Oh, there was a jinx again. It was. Um, Jacks. <laughs> Jacks. Go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, but uh, we haven't done that many of his films, and I think his films are. Uh, better than a lot of the films he produced. Mm-hmm. So, like his directing films mm-hmm. were better. And he did a oh, lot with Vincent Price in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, hmm. all right. We're gonna move on to our final segment, which is called Real Good, where we recommend something real good for you. I'm gonna recommend a Roger Corman film, which I think is pretty good. It's low budget, but it's interesting. It's scary, and it is uh, a really great thing to look at for uh, Dick Miller, who is an actor. You've seen him in anything. I swear to God, he's been in so many things. Um, he was the garbage man in the Burbs. He was uh, <laughs> he was in Gremlins. He was the mailman. So like, there's he he shows up everywhere. He's wonderful. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he literally is in a thing called that guy, Dick Miller. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. He's a wonderful actor, uh, wonderful character actor. Anyway, it's a movie called A Bucket of Blood. Blood. Um, oh, he just died. Sorry. And, yeah, he re- that down. <laughs> yeah, he recently uh, passed. There was a lot. If you follow a bunch of any bad movie people, there was a lot on Twitter about mm. him passing. And it was uh, very sad. But he, I think he lived quite a long time. Oh, yeah, he was in The Terminator. Mm. He was the gun uh, shop owner in The Terminator. Oh, um, an important role. Yes, actually. Um, hey, just what you see, pal. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but A Bucket of Blood is about a, a guy who's a waiter in a... Uh, sort of Hepcat uh, coffee shop where it's all artists who are there and he really wants to be an artist hmm. and then how he goes about becoming an artist oh, is I a really grotesque but fascinating thing. So uh, check it out. A Bucket of Blood. I think it was streaming on Amazon the last time I looked. So yeah. Sam, what's your real good? I've been I've been struggling with this one too because I can't think of any movies that this movie reminded me of at all. Mm. And it made me just want to watch Adam's Family Values, but that was the movie that I recommended last time that I was on. You can recommend so, it again. It's a good movie. <sighs> you you um, can recommend oh, Street Fighter. There was that is that Roger Corman documentary? Have you seen it? 
I, I don't know. Oh. Which one? I thought you were the one who, the newer one. There's a newer one. Well, it wasn't me. I didn't even know this was a thing. Okay, I, wait, let me look. Sarah Suda sent it to me. <laughs> Friend of There's the your answer. <laughs> Did she send it to both of us and I just ignored it? I think so. Oh, wow. no. Yeah, I think so. Rude. Okay, so yeah. it's called Corman's World. And she said it was streaming on Amazon as well. Oh, okay. And it looked very interesting. It had interviews with Jack Nicholson and a lot of the more famous people that he worked with, it looked like. So I would like to watch that because I'm very interested in him now. And he seems like a very nice man. He's a very nice man. He's just like a button-down square dude. He, For having a revolutionary's heart, he is also like very polite and... Yeah. Like, just really easy to talk to. That was, like, literally a quote from the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, that, like, for such a revolutionary dude, you wouldn't think by looking at him. And he seems so, like, sweet. So I think I'm going to watch that. And you know what? You should, too. I'm going to. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm going to run home uh, tonight and probably So I'll watch recommend it. Corman's World, a movie I haven't seen yet, <laughs> and Adam's Family Values. <laughs> Fair. Rachel, what's your real good? So originally I was thinking Time Bandits. But now that I, after like, I've been, I was like trying to think really quickly, like what would be a good time travel movie where they do like uh, multiple paths and stuff. So maybe also like uh, Bill and Ted's Locust (gasps) Adventure. Oh, that's a good one. That's what I was thinking of when you were describing your perfect version of this. Uh I was like, ooh, yeah. You combined both movies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes. Which I think is the superior film, but I don't know. You just watched them both fairly recently. What um, would you say? I think the first one. Really? Okay. Um, the I, first one drags less, I think. Yes. Really? I don't know. Death I, just makes me laugh so yeah, much. Yeah, death is really good because, I don't know. It's hard. They're both very evil good. Evil Bill and Evil Ted are also very good. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, and then <laughs> As also- they doubt the dwelve. I love it. <laughs> what? It's when he can't win a game. Death can't oh. win a game. So he's just best five out of ten. I just oh, literally right. didn't understand a single word I didn't that understand you a said. single word now you said. I know what you're now talking about. And then after they win at Monopoly, he's like, best eight out of twelve. <laughs> I'm so glad he's going to be in the new one. I am too. <laughs> Me too. William Sadler's great. Yeah. And I think I, I love those movies because they're so, like, they're kind of smart. Because, like... Yeah. Like, the fact that, like, that death is, like, based off of, like, the death from, like, Seventh Seal yep. and stuff. Like, those little things are so cool to me. Um, They're also good-hearted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, both movies. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to recommend this uh, episode of this podcast that I listened to, like, literally 12 years ago, maybe, or 10 years ago. It's called Big Ideas. And it's like a really old podcast. It does. It's not on anymore, but you could still find it. It's called Big Ideas, and then it's like the best lecture series. And it's James Allard, this like professor, uh, and he like does this lecture on uh, what Frankenstein and being alive kind of thing. And it's mm. really really interesting and really cool to listen to. So I'd recommend that as well. Sweet, Matt. What's your real good? Uh, my real good's a time travel movie that's set in 2032. Oh, <laughs> yeah, one year after this. Oh, I know what this is. Uh, and also, it does a nice job of living in both time periods, so you can attach to the characters and live with them and know their struggles. It's Demolition Man, mm. uh, which is one of my favorite movies ever. It's and an adorable movie. It's so good and fun. I've never seen it. Oh, it's a lot like of fun. one I would really like. I think you would. Okay, it's got a lot of really. It's 
it knows what it is mm-hmm. in that sort of like a way that a lot of 80s action movies don't yes. understand right. like when they're being corny or when they're doing things like this one acknowledges it in a way that sort of not as meta as Last Action Hero uh-huh. but in that sort of world much better film like a RoboCop more maybe uh, no, this is uh, RoboCop is satire. Oh, this isn't. This isn't really satire. Is this, this a movie is... where the only restaurant left is Taco Bell? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> and it's very fancy. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Taco yeah. Bell that is, is happening though in bought... real life. Right? It is. They have Taco Bell cantinas oh, now no. in big cities, which oh, no. serve alcohol. Oh, so yeah, my. Demolition Man is coming in uh, 13 years. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock? Uh, Roy Scheider. She's so good. What no, the heck? Rob Schneider, not Roy Scheider. <laughs> Who's Roy Schneider? Roy, Roy Scheider? Roy Scheider was in Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Rob Schneider yeah, is Schneider's. the animal. Rob Schneider. <laughs> Rob Schneider, yes, is in a uh, small part in Demolition Man. Is he, um, is he in Judge Dredd? Is he the one yes, in Judge Dredd? Yes, he is. He, is oh, in, no. he, was, he and Stallone, I think, were friends for a while. Oh, <laughs> they did okay. a bunch of movies together. Now uh, I want to know everything the about only their friendship. Thing, <laughs> the only thing I liked about uh, South Park for, for a lot of its run was the thing where they made fun of Rob Schneider. <laughs> where it was just they had this thing where they were like every trailer for his movie Rob, would come on Rob Schneider, Schneider is, is a, a carrot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid to look up how long ago that was. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I say that in, was like 16, 17 years yeah, ago. I, think I was in like late grade school. <laughs> probably accurate. <laughs> I think I was just fresh out of college. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, well, thank you guys for joining me. What on was this. yours again? Mine was bucket of blood. Right, oh, bucket right. of blood. Yeah. Okay. It's been uh, so long. That old Jim. Yeah. That old Jim. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for joining me. I know you guys have a movie to go to. Um, yeah, we got some time. Okay. <laughs> it's not that far. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so is real love coming back? What's the deal? It will come back. Have for sure. This? I've said this every time I've been on this for months. <laughs> we are going to bring it back. Retooled. More interviews with other couples and other people that aren't necessarily couples. Me. Talking about, yeah, Nick mostly. <laughs> got to figure out a way for Nick to be on the podcast. Uh, we figured it out. We're, we're, <laughs> we're working on it. We just got to figure out how much we want to torture you or not. In the meantime, you can listen to our past episodes. Yeah, they're still there. Um, I have an ongoing Letterboxd. If any of you are on Letterboxd, you can just search me, Rachel CN. Um, that's my that's like the URL. Or yeah, I'll have to put you on mine. Really cool. um, I think I follow you. I don't know if Oof. I follow anyone on it. I need to oh. do it though because I've been reading more reviews on it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like currently average like three movies a week. So. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I don't write about everything, but I at least rate everything. Sure. Oh, Rachel, this is kind of like a you should watch this or, uh, but Rachel just showed me that on the Criterion app. You can watch interviews with Robert, Roger Corman about a bunch of his movies. Oh, oh yeah. cool! Yeah. What if he does of, one for this? Yeah, he doesn't. I don't. There, oh, there isn't this one, but not a Criterion <laughs> collection. Yeah, it's not the Criterion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yet. are they? Wait a minute. Are there these, might be some that are. Are these the ones that were uh, Mick Garris interviews? Like a uh, black background? I don't think so. He's okay. Yeah. House there's another. Uh, there's another great interview series, Mick Garris, uh, called Post Mortem with Mick Garris, where hmm. he interviews Roger Corman. Those are on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Cool. These uh, are brand new ones. Okay. Well, we'll keep you posted about when it's going to come back. Yes. What yes. are your Twitters? Yes. Uh, mine is at Slam Schultz. Mine is Rachel underscore C A L underscore N A V. Cal Nav. <laughs> Cal Nav. Or at Real Love. Has or both at of Real our, Love. Has both of our things on it. Yeah. Um, and I'm on SciShow Tangents. Oh, yeah, you are. Which is a podcast, the SciShow podcast that I do with Hank Green and Sarah Riley and Stephen Chin. 
and we talk about goofy science stuff, and it's really fun. And Callie Moore is going to be filling in for you? Callie Moore is going to be filling in in two weeks, and that episode will come out in, like, four weeks or something. Sweet. Yeah. Excellent. Matt, you have a few podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, one we can't talk about yet. Well, yeah. One doesn't exist yet. One is in the planning stages. Yeah. Uh, but I have two others that do exist and do come out weekly. Uh, one is Matt and Maddie with my friend Maddie Kerr. And that's just a fun two dudes talking about their lives and stuff and their friendship. And then my other one, speaking of Maddie Kerr, uh, is called I Love It. And the most recent episode was with Maddie Kerr talking about his love of photography. And it's just me talking to my friends about the things they love and why they love them. Uh, so, yeah, check out all of that stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Gatos or find the podcast at iloveitpodcast.com. Or just search Matt and Maddie on things. That works too. Sweet. Uh, well, you can find us, of course, uh, at Real Bad Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash realbadpod, and chip in a buck or two if you want. A real big thanks to Black Duck Studios, I Love It Podcast, Candace, Sarah Caroline, and Anna Moss for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so very much. Real Bad is a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me. And check out podcasts like The Contenders, a podcast about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. You can join siblings Tobin Addington and Islin, along with a slew of guest hosts as they celebrate and evaluate the work of some of the most daring women in film and shine a light on unruly women of cinema. It's really good. I was on an episode. Next week, don't know quite what we're doing yet, but I'm going to try to keep it a little bit different. So until then, this has been Real Bad. <laughs> <laughs>